Genesis 13 verse 5 says, Now Lot was moving about with Abram. He also had flocks and herds and tents, but the land could not support them while they stayed together. For their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose between Abraham's or Abram's herders and Lot's. And the Canaanites and Perizzites were also living in that land. So Abram said to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herders and mine. We are close relatives. Is not the whole land before you. Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. This is the reading of God's word. In part three of this series called Headaches, I want to teach from this topic today. I need to lose a lot. <laughs> I need to lose a lot. Family, I regularly repeat an axiom that I think is worthy of regurgitation this, on this Sunday. And that is there are three ways you can live your life. Sinking, surviving, or thriving. Culture's way, the church's way, the king's way. Living your life culture's way leads to sinking. Living your life church's way leads to surviving. But living your life, level three, the king's way leads to thriving. And I believe I'm speaking to some persons today that would adamantly assert it's level three for me. I'm sick of sinking. I'm tired of surviving. I'm ready to thrive. It's my season for thriving. I sense thriving. I got an appetite to thrive. I'm allergic to anything that isn't thriving. I get concerned when I'm around people that don't want to thrive. I want the thrivers to make some noise, drop some fire in the chat. It, it's, it's level three for me, the, the king's way. And the king's way, family, is different and distinct from culture's way. For example, in the culture, the way up is up. If you want to exalt yourself, you need to exalt yourself. But when you live like the king's way, you understand the way up is down. If I humble myself, God will exalt me in due season. Anybody do for your season of exaltation? Yeah, in, in, in cultures, when you live life culture's way, listen to me, you have to take to get. But when you live life the king's way, you give to get. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give unto your bosom. 
In culture, you have to gain to gain. Are y'all ready for where I'm getting ready to go? But when you live life the king's way, you lose to gain. For he who wants to save his life must be willing to lose his life because the one that loses his life saves his life. You, you, please hear me. When you're living the king's way, there are times when your addition will come through subtraction. And I want to announce under the sound of my, to everyone under the sound of my voice, something different and distinct from what you may be regularly hearing in sacred spaces all over the world. Maybe it's not your season of multiplication. Maybe it's your season of subtraction. But if you get a revelation of how God does things in the kingdom, you don't have a pity party when you have a subtracting season. You have a praise party because you know if God takes, he's getting ready to give. And I don't know what needs to be subtracted from your life, but I want to tell somebody in here, God will never take something from you that you need. Did you hear what I just said? Yeah, he may take something from us that we want. He may take something from us that we lean on and depend on. He may take things from us that we want to keep. But my God, if he takes it from you, it means that he's getting ready to replace it with himself. Even if you don't replace it with anything else, he say, I'm going to step in and I'm going to be a lawyer in the courtroom, a doctor in the sick room, a bridge over troubled water. And I don't know what needs to, did you hear what, some addition comes through subtraction. And I don't know what needs to be subtracted from your life today, family. But we're in this series here called Headaches, and I need to identify something that I think it's extremely important that, that, that some of us consider may need to be subtracted from our life. For some of us, under the sound of my voice, there's something we need to lose. Some of us need to lose a lot. Because some of your headaches come from humans. I'm trying to see which, let me talk to the online crowd. I said some of your headaches come from humans. Our foundational text here in Genesis gives us some insight into this issue. This text allows us to be exposed to an experience between a man named Abram and his nephew named Lot. And there are a number of angles we could take to explore the richness of this story. But for the purpose of this preaching presentation today, I want to risk oversimplifying a reality in this passage and emphasize this one area. Who is Lot? because a lot excuse me bad English but good theology lot ain't always a lot sometimes one lot is costing you a lot 
I'm going to say it again. Sometimes one lot is costing us a lot. And it is only when we deal with the lot that we can address the lot that we're losing. Dr. Darius, who's lot? We're going to explore a lot a little bit more in this text. But, but for the purpose of our presentation, here's a working definition of a lot. Lot represents someone you have affection for that you are not responsible for that you need to make adjustments with. <laughs> Somebody online put some fire in the chat because they, they quiet in this room. Let me, let me repeat that, please. Lot represents someone you have affection for that you are not responsible for that you need to make adjustments with. A couple of weeks ago, my wife um, was saying, she, she kept saying, she said, I, I got a headache, I need to call the adjuster over. I got a headache, I need to call the adjuster over. There's this lady that comes, she does trigger point therapy and she does all some chiropractic type stuff and she, she says, my head is hurting and I need an adjustment. I'm going to say it one more time. She said, my head is hurting and I need an adjustment. So the lady came over and she did what she did. My wife got up, she said, oh, I feel better. The headache is gone because an adjustment was made. And I want to tell somebody in the room, some of the headaches in our life are lingering because there are some adjustments that hadn't been made and if we're willing to make some adjustments we can get some relief and I am proclaiming this message on today because someone under the sound of my voice needs to discern and recognize it's the season to make adjustments that some things don't change until some things change some things don't move until some things move and many of us are waiting helplessly waiting on someone else to get a revelation of what is in our best interest we are waiting on them to get a revelation that they need to make an adjustment so they can help us not realizing that God's given us responsibility for ourselves and I can't keep waiting on others to make an adjustment to bless me I got to make some adjustments to bless myself somebody shout it's adjusting season Yep, and if they love you, they will adjust with you. If they are really for you, they will adjust with you. Because if you are the only one doing all the adjusting, you are not being loved, you're being used. I'm sorry. Let's read it again. Lot represents someone. Some of you need to take a picture of this. You need to write this down. It needs to be your screensaver. Like, Lot represents. 
someone you have affection for, which is love for, that you're not responsible for, even if you feel responsible for. that you need to make adjustments with. Here it is. Lot represents someone we have unintentionally and unconsciously enabled. And our enablement has created entitlement and now their entitlement is giving us a headache. <laughs> Let me repeat that one more time, okay? Okay, I say Lot represents someone we have unintentionally, we weren't trying to, and unconsciously, we were unaware. We thought we were helping, but we were enabling. We had the right motives, but the wrong motion. Are you hearing what I'm saying, guys? Right motion, wrong motive. Unconsciously and unintentionally enabled. And our enablement created entitlement in them. And now their entitlement is giving us a headache. It's here in the text, guys. And I, I love something contextually, uh, I love something contextual right here within the confines of this passage because, see, this text exposes us to an experience with Abram, uh, Brother Brock, before his name is changed. He's not Abraham yet. He's Abram. Because how you handle Lot determines whether or not you stay Abram or become Abraham. Did you hear what I just said? Abraham represents who he had the potential to be, who he was called to be, who he was purposed to be who he was created to be, the best version of himself. But when we are constantly and chronically responsible for someone else's responsibility, it impacts our ability to be responsible for the things and the people we're responsible for. And what God's going to require of you for you requires both of your hands. Jesus didn't have one hand nailed to the cross. He had two. Because you got your hands full with you. So it becomes difficult to accomplish certain assignments when we don't make adjustments with Lot. Now watch this. Get, let's go back to my definition of Lot. Y'all okay today? Y'all still glad we back in church? I'm glad. Okay. Here it is. Let's go back to my definition of Lot. Here it is. Lot represents someone you have affection for. Pause. Everybody say pause. pause. Come on, say it loud. Say pause. pause. Put it in the chat one more time. Pause. pause. Okay, pause. I ain't say love for. I say affection for. Because there are times we act out of affection and assume we acting out of love. Affection always say yes. Love sometimes say no. 
Did you hear what I just said? I said affection always says yes. Sometimes love says no. And so affection can drive our actions and we can act in ways that are unhealthy and unhelpful and unwise. And family, this is what Abram did. I don't know if you're familiar with this, but in Genesis chapter 12, Abram received this relevatory word from God. And God says, get out from among your country and your kindred to a land that I'm going to show you. Not that there's anything wrong with them, but I can't do what, I, what I'm attempting to do in you with pe while you're around people who are constantly reminding you who you were did you hear what I just said he's saying Abraham for you I'm not saying this is the case for everybody but for Abraham for you your success is going to require some separation because there are some people who aren't going to ever let you be Abraham they like Abram they stuck with Abram they stuck on Abram they love Abram even though Abram is an inferior version of you they love Abram and you don't did you hear what I just said? You do know some people love a version of you you don't love. Did you, do you, come on now, let's be honest. Some people loved you when you didn't love your, some people love a version of you that you didn't love and that you couldn't love. So in Genesis 12, God says to Abraham, what, what I, need, what I need and want to do in and through you requires me separating you from previous influences. You need new influences. You need to be exposed to different pictures of possibility. This is not saying, Abraham, where you come from is inferior. It's just saying it's no longer necessary. And some people have to get this because you won't be able to move up if you don't know how to move on. Did you hear what I just said? I said you won't be able to move up if you don't know how to move on. And, and so, so do you remember when God told Abraham, get away, Abram, get away from your, you remember that, right? Okay, so this is what Abraham did. I don't know how we missed this, but we missed this. Alex, he partially obeyed. So he left, but he took some kin with him. I'm in the book, guys. I'm, I'm, I'm in the book. Genesis chapter 13, verse 5 says, Now Lot, who was moving about with Abram, also had herds and tents. Lot was not his son. He hadn't had any sons yet. There is no Isaac. There is no Ishmael. Lot's his nephew. So God says, I want you to leave. He left. He just took something with him. Because everyone we love isn't assigned to land where we're going to land. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have time to deal with this, but the, you don't have to say amen, especially, uh, and, and don't, don't tell on yourself in the chat, but, you know, just wink at your boy or something if, if you know what it's like to deal with the frustration of trying to drag people to a level they don't want to go to. I, okay, y'all bold in here in New Jersey, like, yes. Yeah, yeah, right. No, 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 no. Have you ever dealt with the frustration of seeing potential in people that they had no desire to tap into? And so God's trying to.
trying to take you to places and spaces and you want them to go to places and spaces and you're trying to drag people to a place in space they don't have an appetite for. It's frustrating. So here's what happens though. Abraham doesn't see the immediate impact of his actions. He didn't know that what Lot once saw as an act of kindness and generosity would at one point become something Lot felt like he was entitled to. And we have to pause for the cause and talk about the emotional epidemic of entitlement. It is ubiquitous. It is everywhere. In every demographic, in every socioeconomic status. You have people that have everything and feel entitled and people that have nothing and feel entitled. In entitlement where you are going over and beyond what is required what is reasonable and what is warranted for people who are only appreciative until the next time that you have to give them a no entitlement isn't just in children and parents Entitlement can show up in marriages. Entitlement can show up in friendships. Entitlement can show up in church. Enti am I making sense? Entitlement can show up in work relationships. And Abram doesn't see the immediate consequences of his actions until they get to a certain place in space where the land could no longer support them both because of their growth. Genesis 13 verse 8 says this, so Abram said to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between me and you, between your herders and mine, for we're close relative. It's not the whole land before you. Let's part company. If you go left, uh, I'll go right. If you go to the right, I'll go left. See, what's happening is Abraham's stock and flock is growing. And so is Lot's. And now the land can't support them their tribes and their flocks. It's not enough space. So now it's creating tension because growth creates tension. Did you hear what I just said? Growth doesn't just solve problems. Growth creates some problems. Growth not only gives us a revelation of what we do want, you got it right here on the front. Growth also gives us a revelation of what we don't want. What we can no longer tolerate. What is no longer suitable or appropriate for us. Now watch this guys. I love what Abraham does here. It's so wise. He says in order for us to keep peace I need to adjust my proximity. 
He's saying, we can't stay this close and stay cool. This is a complete reframing. Are y'all here? Okay. He said, he says, I, I want you to catch this. He, he, he's saying, I want you to catch this. He said, the adjustments that I'm making aren't a problem. I need to make these adjustments so it won't be one. I'm not making these adjustments a lot because I don't like you. I'm making these adjustments because I love you. And if I don't make these adjustments, we might not have a relationship at all. Yeah, I mean, Are y'all okay this? He said, he said no, he said, he said I, I need to make these adjustments not because I, I dislike the relationship. I'm not trying to destroy the relationship. I'm trying to preserve the relationship. And if we keep going the way that we're going, the only way we both going to be able to stay here is if I stop growing. I'm going to say that, okay. <laughs> Are you hearing me? He said, my flock can't keep growing. And us stay this close. And some of us know what it's like to suffer from intentional stunted growth, to preserve proximity to those that don't have an appetite for it. Some of y'all are like, what kind of message is this? <laughs> what is, what is this? So watch what Abraham does. Abram does. He says, listen, I'm going to let you pick where you want to go. See that I'm not even gonna bother that. But just, there, there's this tendency just overly accommodated. And I'm getting ready to show you where it doesn't serve Lot well. I'm getting ready to show you where he thinks he's helping Lot, but he's not. He's just enabling him. Listen to me, family. He says, Lot, wherever you go, I'm gonna go. Okay, and so the Bible said, you go this way, I'm going to go that way. The Bible says in Genesis 13, verse 12, it says, so uh, Abraham lived in the land of Canaan. It says, while Lot lived among, watch this, lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents near Sodom. Now Lot. I'm just waiting on y'all. I'm just waiting. Come on, y'all know I'm old school. Like Martin, I'm letting it marinate. So you got all this land where you can pitch a tent and you decide Now read the text, guys. Put my scripture back up there, please. Put my scripture back up there, please. It didn't say he pitched his tents initially in Sodom. He pitched his tent near. I ain't all the way in there, Abram. I just need to be close if I need to. 
and to see how much Jesus is going to let me get away with. <laughs> and don't look at Lot like that because one of our core values of this house is honesty. And if we are all honest, we've all put our tent near some places. It shouldn't have been. We pitch tents near places. So Abraham goes to Sodom. Watch this. I'm not going to bother too much, but he pitched his tent close, too close to the wrong influences. Have you ever seen that happen? It's like you're too close to them. I'm not judging them, but that's not the right influence. I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm saying they're not right for you. Y'all getting too close. Y'all follow me? So this is what happens, guys. Eventually, Lot moves from being near Sodom to in now. And what happens? Sodom gets attacked. Lot gets taken captive. Abraham hears about it. Abraham gets 318 trained men and, and went and pursued the enemy army. And in Genesis chapter 14, verse 16, it says he recovered all the goods and all the possessions and brought back his relative Lot and Lot's possessions together with the women and the other people. It's when, this is when, when he's returning from rescuing Lot, this is when Abraham runs into what's called a Christophany. He runs into somebody named Melchizedek, king of Salem, prince of righteousness and peace. And Melchizedek gives him bread and wine, which is a metaphor for communion. And Abraham gives him a tenth, which is a metaphor of a tithe because Melchizedek is a Christophany. He is a pre-manifestation of Jesus in one form before Jesus manifests himself in the final form in the belly of his mother Mary. Abraham's like, thank you for helping me rescue humanity to me. I wasn't in trouble. Lot was. And when Lot get in trouble, he know who to call. So I don't know what Abraham was doing, but he had to stop what he was doing. He had to get 318 men who, who were pro trained men who were probably committed to fighting for him. So now he's got to leverage his relationships. He's got to leverage his relationships to use those relationships to help somebody else. You ever done that? Made calls for them? Pulled favors for them? 
Ask people who didn't even know them to help them, but they helped them because they loved you. Abraham does this. I'm, I'm running out of time. Here it is, guys. Listen to this. So Abraham does this, guys. Y'all know what happened? You know what Lot did? He went right back. I'm not going to bother it because that's, that's, but down later in the story, now his wife suffers the consequences. She wouldn't even been in that situation if he didn't go back. And I know Abraham's got to be like, now I know you're not going right back. He goes right back to the same city after it was sieged. He goes to a place physically, but him going to that place physically can be a metaphor uh, for him going to a place spiritually or him going to that place professionally. See, what I'm trying to get us to see, I am not, I'm not as a pastor telling us not to help people. I don't want you to read what I'm not writing. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm trying to use this story, and I believe the Holy Spirit wants to use this story to cause us to reevaluate whether we're actually helping. I'm not saying don't help people. I'm saying reevaluate if the way that I'm helping is actually helping. Am I empowering them or am I, am I enabling them? And then I got to ask myself, what are the consequences for my life when on a long-term basis, I become responsible for someone else's irresponsibility? What are the long-term consequences of that? Not just with them, but with me. Because at some point, if I am responsible for someone else's irresponsibility, Who's going to be responsible for what I'm responsible for? Because most of you don't have an Abram. Lot's got you and you got you. Let me go to this side. I feel. Lot can call you. And you can only call you. It's on you. You have to figure it out. You have to get it out of the mud. You have to make it happen. So I'm not saying don't help. I'm saying some headaches are a result of a lack of adjustments. So the question we need to ask as it relates to lots in our life, what adjustments do we need to make? There are three areas I want to share with you for my note takers today. Do y'all want them? If you want them, say yes. Okay, here it is. Here's the first area. We need to make an adjustment in the area of our expectations. Some relational headaches come from unaligned expectations. Now listen to me, family. I didn't say unrealistic expectations. 
Because some of your expectations are realistic. They're just not realistic for them. I'm just trying to feel the vibe in the room. I don't know if this is... I don't know if I'm feeling hurry up. I don't know if I'm feeling what in the world. Like, I don't know what I'm feeling right now. <laughs> Did you understand? Like, just asking somebody to be considerate, that's not unrealistic. Asking people, be honest. That's not unrealistic. Asking people, be responsible. That's not unrealistic. Asking people, be appreciative. Like, I'm not even asking you to do for me what I do for you. I just need you to be appreciative of what I do for you. That's not unrealistic but it might be unrealistic for them those expectations aren't aligned with reality for that person this is the way Jesus put it know a tree okay he didn't say judge a tree he didn't say value the worth of a tree he said but you need to know it and the way you know it is by its fruit. Believe in their potential. Invest in their potential. But expect fruit. Okay, I'm going to say that one more time. Because some of us set our expectations with their potential and not their fruit. You need to believe in their potential. Invest in their potential. Pray for their potential. But you've got to set those expectations based on the fruit that you see. And when the fruit changes, then my expectation does. I need an adjustment. All right. Number two, investments. I got to make adjustments with my investments. See, I don't think a person will be able to embrace what I'm about to say if we don't share a common theology of stewardship. So my theology of stewardship begins with this. Whatever I have is not my own. My time, my talent, my treasure, God gave to me their own loan and he gave them to me to steward and to use in a way that is consistent with what he desires not mine my gifts aren't for me God gave them to me because he had something in mind so when I act like an owner I'm forgetting that when I act like a steward I'm, I'm remembering that. Okay, so my time, talent, and treasure is not mine. So I don't have the right to do with it as I choose. I've got the ability to, but that doesn't mean I got the right to. We have the ability to do things we don't have the right to. Like somebody has the ability to snatch your child, but they don't have the right to because it's not their child. Did you hear what I just said? Yeah. Somebody has the ability to talk sideways to your spouse, but they don't have the right to. Does that make sense? Yeah, some of you will even say, now, I shouldn't do it, but I do do it, but you can't. Yeah, let me say that. You can't say that. <laughs> I said the same thing you said, but you can't say that. See, my 1130, I know some of my 1130 here, my 1130 crowd, they would have they got with your boy on that one because 1130 would have been like, say it again. Say, say it. <laughs> say it again. Say it again. 
My time's a gift from God. My talent's a gift from God. My treasure's a gift from God. So when you're investing your time, your talent, your treasure into lots, you have the ability to do with whatever you choose. But this is what Jesus said. He says, do not give dogs what's sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. So what is he saying? He's saying discernment before investment. Not only, not only does unwise investments get underappreciated, we get injured. You end up getting hurt. You ever been bit by people you're trying to bless? Somebody come play. Let's go. This is my third. All right. It says they will trample them under your feet and then turn around and injure you. You're like, how are you biting me and I'm just trying to bless you? Expectations, investments. And number three, we got to make adjustments with our emotions. We must prepare ourselves emotionally to accept that there are some people that we love that love what's hurting them. That is so hard. But emotionally, I've got to come to terms with the fact, at least right now, I'm not saying it's forever, but for right now, there are people that I love that love what's hurting them. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't care but I am saying you can't let that care kill you well we are so emotionally undone that we can't rest that we're overwhelmed with stress that we can't flow and function and be responsible for the things that God wants us to be responsible for. I gotta go. I've kept you longer than I wanted to, but I ain't seen you all year. Here it is. Here it is. I'm gonna tell you something, family. I am not telling you to give up on Lot. I am telling you to give Lot up to God. Because sometimes people hit a season and a space where you have to step back and say, this is a job for God. I have said all I know how to say. I have given all I know how to give. I have supported all I know how to support. And now my investment is creating resentment. And now it's time to set a boundary. Because if I don't lose this lot, I'm going to lose a lot. If I don't lose this lot, I'm going to lose a lot. I can't lose a lot. I worked too hard and I, I prayed too long and I survived too much. I didn't survive just to survive. I survived to get to thriving. 
I need compensation for my agitation. I don't want all of these tears for nothing. God, you said if I sow in tears, I'm going to reap in joy. I need some joy in my life. You said you give me the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. I don't want this spirit of heaviness all my life. I got to lose the lot so, so I don't lose a lot. And I'm telling you right now, for so many of you watching me right now, the genuineness of your heart is the cause of your greatest grief. You wouldn't hurt like you hurt if you didn't care like you care. And the devil wants to use lot to make your heart hard and to stop you from caring the way that you care but your caring is consequential to your calling. Now I feel the Holy Ghost right there. I said your caring is consequential to your calling. You can't carry out your calling without caring. And this is why your wounds hurt so bad because whatever you put your life into, you put your heart into. And the devil wants you to stop caring. And I sense this right now. Some of you have made vows not to care. And we're about to break that vow. Because your vow not to care as much is a decision not to be used as much. You got to care. I feel you, Father. You got to care. You can't stop caring. I know it hurts to care, but you got to care. And so I want to pray over you and pray for you today. I want to pray for those who've made vows, secret vows, silent vows, that I'm done. you walled up that heart and God's like I don't just use your hands I use your heart see for me at least teaching it don't work the same if my heart not in it my heart my heart is what drives me to study the way I study My heart, it was makes me, I want to leave it all on the stage every time I stand. My heart. And I want to pray because we're not going to, we're not going to submit to those vows, those secret vows. You've been called to care. And if you stop caring, the devil wins. He will not win. Some of you even right now, you've become a person you don't even recognize. You protect it, but you're not at peace. You feel safer, but you don't feel like you're being sincerely you. And I'm praying over you today. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you and I give you praise.
that right now we are breaking every ungodly vow that we made. Vows that we made in pain and not in purpose. We break them now in the name of Jesus. We've been called to care. So take our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh. Mend every broken place. Heal every heart wound. We've got a lot to do and we will not forfeit it because of what happened with a lot. Son of God set us free for you said he whom the son sets free is free indeed. And we affirm, confess, declare we are free in Jesus name. Amen. I want you to put I'm free in the chat. Shout, I'm free in the room. <laughs>